0: The final Mishnah in the Tractate of Tainis tells us that five things happened on Tisha B'Av. What are the five things that the Mishnah tells us? Number one says the Mishnah that there was a decree that our forefathers should not enter into the land of Israel. For that day, the spies came back. They gave an evil decree or an evil report. The Jews began to cry God said, you're crying. I will give you a reason to cry for all generations. And you can no longer enter into the land of Israel. For 40 years you shall roam in the desert. So on that day of Tisha B'av began the niggzot al-Aviseinu, that our forefathers should not enter into the land of Israel. Number two and three, on this day the first temple was destroyed and the second holy temple was destroyed. Furthermore, 52 years after the destruction of the Second Holy Temple, the city of Beitar was conquered and all the Jews there were slaughtered. Finally, the fifth thing, says the Mishnah, that Jerusalem was plowed over like a field, desecrating the holiness of the temple and the city of Jerusalem. Now, even though the Mishnah mentions only five things, and gives a number. Five things happened on this day. We know historically many other tragedies took place on this day. Just to mention a few. Number one, in 1290, the Jewish people were expelled from the land of England. In 1492, we were banished from Spain. World War I started on Tisha b'a when the Germans declared war on Russia. So why does the Mishnah mention only five things? We know that the Mishnah is true for all times, for all generations, and the Mishnah could have simply enumerated five things without saying there are five things. But the fact that the Mishnah tells us there are five things that happen on this day alludes to the fact that the number five is very prevalent and underscores the the potential of this day. Furthermore, the the holiday of Tisha B'Av takes place In the fifth month of the year, in the month of Menachem Av, again, the number five. We continue now in the Mishnah, the final Mishnah of the Tractate of Tainis. After the Mishnah tells us that there are five terrible tragedies that took place on Tisha B'Av, the Mishnah goes on to say, Therefore, Mishanichnas Av, Mematim B'Simcha, When the month of Av arrives, we diminish in our joy. A few lines later, the Mishnah comes along and says, Rabbi Shimon says, you should know that the 15th day of Av is the greatest day of joy of the year. That, You should know, says the Mishnah, there were never such great days of joy for the Jewish people like the 15th day of the month of Av and Yom Kippur. Now, what happened to Yom Kippur, says the Gemara, we understand, is a great day of joy because on Yom Kippur, it's a day of atonement. You sin all year and God atones you for your sins. It's a very glorious day. Furthermore, what happened to Yom Kippur was Moses came down from the mountain and gave us the second tablets. And now we were atoned for the sin of the golden calf. So, It's a glorious day. It's a joyous day. It's the day that God gave us the second tablets. But what makes the 15th day of the month of Av so special? And so the Gemara begins to enumerate different things that happen on the 15th day of the month of Av. Just to enumerate a few of them. Number one is, this is the day that the Jews ceased dying in the desert. A very interesting thing happened after the spies returned and after God said, you will stay here and roam for 40 years in the desert. And God decreed that all the men from the age of 20 to 60 will die throughout the next 40 years. Toysviz tells us that every year on the eve of Tisha B'Av, all the men would dig a grave. And they would enter into that grave on that night. And the next morning, 15,000 men did not get up. And so 15,000 times 40 is 600,000. And therefore, every year, 15,000 men perished on this day of Tisha B'Av. The final year, the 40th year, once again, they they went into their graves. The last 15,000. And the next morning, they arose. They went to Moses. What happened? Why are we alive? He says, try it again. They went back into their graves until the 15th day of the month of Av. At that time, the moon waxed complete. Moses says, okay, now it's a sign from heaven you are forgiven. And you can enter into the land of Israel. So here we see that this was the day that they ceased dying. And because of this, they were able to enter into the land of Israel. And so the 15th day of Av is the antidote for what took place on the 9th of Av. Another example. On the 15th of Av, this was the day that the Romans allowed us to bury the dead of Beitar. After the 9th of Av, many years earlier, when Beitar was conquered and every man, woman, and child were murdered, they were not permitted to bury the dead. The Jewish people from the other cities did not have the right to come in and bury the dead of Beta until the 15th day of Av many years later. And so again, the 15th day of Av is the antidote to what took place on the 9th of Av. And finally, what is the antidote for the destruction of the first temple and the second temple? Says the Mishnah, says the Gemara rather, in the Tractate of Tainus, that on this day they ceased cutting wood for the base Hamikdosh. This day was called Taver Magol, the day of the breaking of the axe. Now from the month of Nisan, Iyar, Sivin, Tammuz, until the 15th day of the month of Av, for over four months they would cut wood for the base Hamikdosh. From the 15th day of the month of Av, the power of the sun becomes weaker and so no longer did they cut wood For the Beis Hamikdash. Because if the wood is wet, worms get into the wood, it is unfit to be used for the Beis Hamikdash. And so says the Gemara that on this day they cease cutting the wood for the holy temple. And that day was known as the day of the breaking of the axe. They actually took the axe and they broke it. And because of this, it's a great day. It's a glorious day. It's a joyous day. How does this become the antidote or the antithesis of the ninth of Av? We explained earlier, the ninth of Av primarily reminds us and is the anniversary of the destruction of the 1st Temple and the 2nd Temple. The 2nd Holy Temple was destroyed primarily because of sin as chinam, because of hatred towards one the other, and the way we build the Temple... Is through having unconditional love, one for the other. And this is really the message of the ceasing of the cutting of the wood. The idea of the wood was to bring into the Beis mikdash to bring sacrifices. It says the Rambam, that the main purpose of building the Beis mikdash and the main purpose of this structure, was to have an altar upon which to bring sacrifices to Almighty God. The word "korban" sacrifice, means to get close, to get close to God. And in order to bring a sacrifice, you need wood. And so there were families that dedicated the wood to the Beis Hamikdash. So for the next eight months, the entire Jewish people, Kla Yisrael, would be able to bring their Kerbinos, bring their sacrifices on the Beis Hamikdash. And so you see two things here. Number one is that the purpose of the wood Allowed the Jewish people to have a temple and to serve in the temple, and the most important service in the temple, which was bringing these sacrifices, and so it's the antidote and the antithesis of the ninth of Av. And number two, it was all about Avas Yisrael, unconditional brotherly love, tzedakah, charity, that the families that donated the wood now to the temple allowed all the Jewish people to fulfill their needs and their obligations to bring these karbonas, these sacrifices, to Almighty God. And so, on the 9th of Av, the temple was destroyed because of unwarranted hatred. And the 15th of Av, we have the antidote, and that is we complete the cutting of the wood. All the wood is now donated to the Holy Temple. The mitzvah of cutting the wood is now complete. And so we have the ability for the next... Eight months to bring sacrifices in the Beis Hamikdash, And so this day becomes the greatest day of joy because it becomes the antidote and the antithesis of the ninth of Av, which is the most terrible day on the Jewish calendar. In truth, this concept is a bit deeper. We explained earlier that there are five things that happened on this day. Why five? We know that the Gemara tells us there were never greater days, jo- days of joy for the Jewish people like the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur. The 15th of Av, we just explained, was the day that we ceased the cutting of the wood. What happened on Yom Kippur, God gave us the second tablets. But Yom Kippur is also on a deeper level, a day that we marry God. Because Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah and Sinai, represents the marriage between God and the Jewish people. As you know the story, when we came to Sinai, God took the mountain and put it over our heads, and this represented the, the chuppah that we go under when we enter into marriage. And so the marriage of God and the Jewish people, this level of intimacy, this level of love, took place when God gave us the Torah. When the golden calf was built, God came down. Moses came down and he broke the tablets. This broke the marriage between God and the Jewish people. Now, once again on, on Yom Kippur, when Moses comes down with the second tablets, this once again reinstates the marriage between God and the Jewish people. And so this love, this marriage between God and the Jewish people, is manifest every year on Yom Kippur through the fact that we pray five different prayers on that day. On a normal day, on an average day, we have three different filot, three different prayers. Shachris, Mincha, Maidiv. When it comes to Yom Kippur, we have five. We have Shachris, we have Musif, we have Mincha, we have Nila, and of course, the night before, we have Maidiv. The number five alludes to the five levels of the soul. Nefesh, Ruach, shama, Chaya, Yechida. The fifth level of the soul, which is called the level of Yechida, the level of oneness, the level of unity, this is the level of the soul that we are truly in a state of intimacy with Almighty God. And so the objective of these five tragedies that took place in the fifth month of the year, in the month of Av, is in order that we, the Jewish people, should reach a level of the second tablets, to reach the level of Yom Kippur, to reach the level of the five prayers on Yom Kippur, to reach this level of unity between God and the Jewish people. The Rebbe explains in many of his talks that the entire purpose of these three weeks is Yerida Tzrech Aliyah. A descent is for a greater ascent. And this is a philosophy in Kabbalah and Chesidius That in general, when a person goes through trials and tribulations and challenges and has a yurida, has this descent, it's for a greater ascent. And therefore, these three weeks of Ben Amatzarim, starting from the 17th of Tammuz, as the Mishnah says, five terrible things, five tragedies also happen on the 17th of Tammuz. And then, three weeks later on Tisha B'Av, another five terrible tragedies happen. These three weeks are called Bein HaMetzarim. They are called Between the Constraints. The idea of Bein HaMetzarim is very similar to the blowing of the shofar. As the Rebbe explains that when we blow the shofar, on one hand, the shofar has a very small piece where you blow from your mouth. On the other hand, it becomes very expansive on the other side. This is the idea of Men HaMetzar Karashikah, when I call out to God from my pain and my narrowness and then God responds. God responds from the expansive. In other words, this is not only true when it comes to the blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, that when we blow from the shofar, from the depth of our heart, God immediately answers our prayers But this is true also every day of the three weeks, and especially on Tisha B'Av, when a person feels the pain and suffering of the entire universe and all of the cosmos, and he sees the injustice that is taking place in the entire world, and you look into your personal life, and you see your pain and suffering and your challenges that you are going through, and you call out, from the depth of your heart to Almighty God, on this day he responds, In a very, very wide and a very expansive way, it's interesting to note that last night we began with the book of Eicha. Eicha is one of the five Megillot. We also read the Megillah on Purim, called Megillah Esther. Yet, as I began the reading of Eicha, I asked myself the question: How come, when it comes to Purim and it comes to the reading of the Megillah? of Esther, we make a bracha. When it comes to the reading of Eicha, we don't make a bracha. Now, there are many answers in halacha for why this is so, but I believe, on a more mystical level, the answer is very simple. The word bracha, blessing, means hamshacha, to bring down. And bracha literally means blessing. So when it comes to the Megillah of Esther, which talks about the redemption of the Jewish people, the salvation of the Jewish people, how we were speared, over here we make a bracha. We bless God, we thank God, and we want this salvation to continue to manifest itself in the world on a day-to-day basis. As the Gemara says, we are still servants of Achashverosh. Today we are living the Purim story all over again. When, when it comes, however, to the Megillah of Echa, I don't make a bracha. I don't want to validate it. I don't want to thank God for it. I don't want it to become a reality. I don't want it to be perpetuated for all generations. Which is the same reason why, when it comes to the prayers today, we omit the verse, we take out the verse of this is my covenant. I don't want to make a covenant with Echa. I don't want to make a covenant, an eternal bond with lamentations and dirges. On the contrary, this must be something of the past, not of the future. And similarly in the Kaddish, we don't say, that accept my prayers, because I don't want you to think I'm talking about the prayers of lamentations. I don't want you to accept those prayers. I don't like this holiday. I don't want to observe this holiday. We want to get rid of this holiday. And that is why the Rambam says, these three weeks will be transformed to the greatest days of joy. In other words, not only will we no longer fast on Tisha B'Av, no longer will we fast on the 17th of Tammuz, but on the contrary, these days will become the greatest Yom will become the greatest days of joy. Because in essence, the very purpose of why God created these three weeks, the seeds of these three weeks, and the purpose of these three weeks, is to bring about our inner struggle, our inner connection, our inner love, ...that we have with God, to grow from this, to go from the narrows to the expansive. Many of us have a custom to buy the paperback Kinnison, And every year after Shavuos, or rather Tisha B'Av, we throw it into Sheamus ...because we say, next year I'm not going to use it again. We don't like the hardcover ones. We like the, the simple ones, the paperback. And, and you throw it into Seamus because it's the last year I'm going to be celebrating this holiday... And the truth is that Amman says when Mashiach will come that all the books of the prophets will be nullified besides the Megillah of Esther. In other words, the Megillah of Eicha is going to be nullified. We're not going to talk about these terrible times, these tragedies. On the contrary, we're all going to know from La Yehudim ho Yisraelah of v'sosim v'ikor only days of joy and glory. This past week, a great scholar, a great rabbi, passed away. His name was Rabtuvia Weiss. Rabtuvia Weiss, when he was a young boy in 1938, he lived in Czechoslovakia. At that time, the Germans were about to come in, the Nazis were about to come in. His father told him, I want you to go to Pressburg, and I want you to ask the Rosh Akohal, the head of the Jewish community in Pressburg, Should we be concerned about what's happening, or we can stay put? He went to the head of Pressburg. He said, my father sent me to ask you what to do. And he quoted the words of the Megillah of Esther, that Haman wanted to destroy the Jewish people. God forbid, to destroy and obliterate every Jew. He goes back. To his father, he tells his father exactly what the Rosh HaKohol of Pressburg told him. And his father said, if that is the case, what are we going to do? He said, the head of Pressburg gave me two tickets. He said, there's going to be a kinder transport. Children will be able to leave and go to England. His father said, you take those tickets, you get on that train and you go. And that was the last that he saw of his father. He was an orphan and he grew up to be a great great rabbi and in the later days of his life he became the head of the bezdin of the adi achareidis in Yerushalayim, the high court of jerusalem he told the following story and this is the story that abtuvia said he said you know when the children came together after we were on this kinder transport and we came to England. The king of England, George VI, went and wanted to see all the children. And so all the children lined up. We were told, stand at attention, head up high, chin out, and the king was going to inspect and see what he had here. The king sees all the children. He was very glad and very happy and felt very proud of the fact that he was able to save all of these Jewish children. And as the king was walking up and down the rows, one of the children stepped out of line and began to run towards the king. All the the soldiers and, and, and the generals and the counselors see this child running, they want to grab him and put him back in line, and the king makes with his hand, no, it's okay, it's okay. The boy runs over to the king and he says, "King." I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for saving my life and the life of all my friends and the Jewish people. You're such a kind king. You're an amazing king. God bless you. However, king, I have one more request. The king is now smiling. He receives all these blessings and praise from this little kid. He says, sure, tell me. What is your request? And the little boy says, Your Highness, you know I have brothers and sisters still in Czechoslovakia. My parents are still there. My family is still there. For your kindness to be complete, please save their lives as well. And the king said, your wish is my command, and I will do everything I can to bring them to safety. My dear friends, today is Tisha B'Av. On one hand, we look around and we say, look, look at the Jewish people today. We were never so strong in the last 1950 years. We have our own army, we have our own country. We're able to walk around today with a yarmulke and a kippah and a shetel, with our tzitzis hanging from our pants. We're able to have mezuzah outside on our doorposts We're not afraid of people, of anti-Semites. It's not perfect. There is some anti-Semitism. But yet, we have shuls in every corner. We have shivis in every block. Children are learning Torah. Today, every Jew could learn the whole Talmud and the whole Rambam and the whole Tanya and the whole Hasidus in English, in Chinese, in German, in French in Spanish, in every language, you don't have to know how to read Hebrew. And you can know the whole Torah. We're living in glorious days. So what's the message of Tishabov? Why are we here? Why are we mourning? And the answer is, the king is walking up and down the aisle. And we are thankful that the king has saved us. But we turn to the king, we turn to Almighty God, and we say, God, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for living in a country where we can be free as Jews. But for your kindness to be complete, we need the third holy temple. For your kindness to be complete, we need Mashiach now. For your kindness to be complete, we need an end to sickness and pandemics and death. Ka, we need to call out from the depth of our hearts, Ad how much longer, how much longer do we have to wait in Galus? It's enough already. It's enough sitting in Galus. It's enough waiting. We want Ge'ula, we want redemption. And this is the message of the ninth of Av. The Rebbe tells us, you have to cry, you have to mourn. But not over the past, you have to mourn over the future. Mashiach is about to come. He's about to take us out of Golus, But why is it taking so long? And therefore, that is where we put our effort. That is where we put our crying. That is where we put our mourning. God, we cannot wait any longer. We want Mashiach now.